Okay. All right, so here, here we are. Jairus clung to Jesus even though he heard bad news. Jesus saw what was headed Jairus's way. Those words came for impact. Those words came to discourage him. That circumstances came to dwindle his faith. But Jesus told Jairus, Jairus, listen, don't let that word find residence inside of your heart. Don't let it find residence inside of your heart. Let it, let what I'm telling you be embedded in your spirit. You follow what I'm telling you, Jairus. Jairus, you know, you came to me and you know what I can do. Don't let what you just heard get your ears, your heart, and your faith off of what you came to receive from me. This is an attitude of steadfastness. Jesus saw it coming. Now, this is what I wanted to say about Mark chapter five. And I love the way Mark gives the, 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 uh, the story, the sequence, how it happens. Now, after they told Jairus that his daughter was dead and he goes back home, it takes more faith to go back home to a dead situation than it does to go back home to a dying situation. Now think about that. Every step he's taking is a step of faith because his daughter is now dead. When he came to Jesus, she was dying. Now she comes back home, she is dead. So every step is a step of faith. And here you all are where battles are won and lost. They are won and lost in the area of what I call the changing landscapes of life. When the scenery changes, when it goes from sunny to cloudy to dark, to rainy, to cold. These pictures, these landscapes, these seasons have no bearing on who God is, but they are distractions to get our eyes off of who he is and onto the circumstances. Because if the sun is not shining in your life, you could be assured it is shining somewhere. It is shining somewhere. I have been on airplanes where it is raining and when you take off, after a while, the more higher you go up, the more higher you go. And before you know it, you're above the rain, above the clouds and the sun is shining. Even though it may not be shining in your local city where you left or where that was, it is shining because it's above the clouds. And that's where we're called to live, above life's circumstances. And these things happen as a result of walking with God, learning him, stack, stacking up testimonies, remembering 
God was with me in this situation that I thought was hopeless. He was with me in this situation that I thought was helpless, and he brought me through. Beloved friends, we are here today as a result of God's goodness. Mark and I was having this conversation before the call uh, today, and it was just so strengthening, so strengthening, such a blessing uh, to my heart. And he, we, he was telling me about the things that he has going on in his life, but he kept referring back to the goodness of God. This is undeniable. God's goodness, his faithfulness, his commitment to us. Uh, these are things, you all, that we must practice. We must practice gratitude. We must practice the goodness of God. We must practice being reminded of God's goodness. And so when this message had come from Jairus's house, leave Jesus alone. Don't worry about it. You know, your daughter's died. You, 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 you messed, you know, it's over. It's over. You didn't get to her in time. Jesus began to address Jairus. And he addressed the condition of his heart. Because listen, watch this now, watch this. Words were coming to seize his heart with the bad news from his house, your daughter's dying. So Jesus comes and gives a word to give him consolation and cause his faith to be stirred. Words coming from two different sources. One is coming from Jairus's house and one is coming from the resurrection himself. One is coming from Jairus's house and the other is coming from the resurrection himself. In John chapter 11, there was another situation of death. And the Lord talks to, talks to Mary, the sisters who had lost their brother. They were grief stricken. And they were upset with Jesus because, and it was all about timing, right? Timing in Jairus's uh, situation. What happened? He got to Jesus in time, but his situation got worse and his daughter died, even though he got to Jesus in time. What is the next, what is the, the next situation? John chapter 11, they got to Jesus in time. They said, um, they said, um, they said, Jesus come, your uh, friend is sick, Lazarus, he's sick, come on and, and see about him um, and, and maybe you can heal him. Well, time went on and what happened? Jesus waited a few days. It's amazing. Jesus waited a few days. He didn't rush. It's very interesting. We can learn a lot from Jesus, not only by what he does, but what he doesn't do. We can learn a lot from Jesus by how he moves and what he is moved by. His urgency is not by the emergency. His urgency is not by the emergency. His urgency is by hearing his father, what his father says. And his father told him, son, this sickness is not unto death, but to glorify God. All right, so that was, that was it. That was it right there. God gave Jesus the answer to Jairus' uh, daughter's situation. 
And it also gave the answer to uh, Mary and Martha's situation about their brother Lazarus, see? So the Lord knows the outcome. The Lord knows the outcome, you all. He knows, we may not know, but he knows. We may not see it, but he sees it. We may not capture it, but he is at the very end of everything and he knows how it's gonna work out. So these faith challenges are calling us to be steadfast, okay? They're calling us to be steadfast. Now, we must, we must look at this. What, is it, what does the scripture say here? He will not be afraid of evil tidings. That's Psalm 112 and seven. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. He will not be afraid of bad news. His heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. I'm going back to that scripture again. The established heart. The established heart being established in God, in his word. That comes as a result of trusting when we're afraid, trusting when it's not clear, trusting when it's not easy and saying, Lord, I'm going to stick with you. I'm gonna stick with you. Well, okay, all right, yes. We'll take a question. Uh, who is it? Who is it? Claudia? Claudia, please, your question. Welcome. Claudia, are you there? What was the phrase you said about the emergency? Oh. The urgency? Oh, yes, yes. Jesus' urgency was not moved by the emergency. His urgency was not moved by the emergency, yeah. He was moved by what his father said. He was moved in the timing of God because people, okay, give you an example. I'll give you another example. When, remember when um, they were sleep, Jesus would sleep on the boat and his disciples, they were waking him up. They had an emergency, but Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping. They had an emergency, but he was not moved because remember, and, and this is so key. Ooh, this is so key. This is so key. Jesus knew who he was, whether on land or on sea. He knew who he was. And that's the thing. We have to know who we are going in. We've got to know who we are going in. We have to remember who we are, whose we are. We have to remember that going in. What, do we, what must we remember? We must remember that we are overcomers. I was telling you all about the landscape of life. It happens to all of us. When the landscape of life changes, we start to say, God, where's God? Where's God? He's the same place he was when the sun was shining, right there with us. He's the same place where, where he was in the difficult times, right? So we can take courage even through the landscapes of life. We're the ones that have the urgency right? We're the ones that have the emergency, all right? But Jesus was not moved by that. I'll give you another example about Jesus. Math, uh, Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one. 
Mark's like one of my favorite writers. I, I like his. He moves, his book moves very fast. He was a young man, he moves very fast. And you read the book of Mark and you always see, and immediately, 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 immediately. You always read about immediately with Mark because there's a lot of fast movement with him as a young man, as a young writer capturing Jesus's life. In Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one, Peter is looking for Jesus. Jesus had gotten up early that morning, got his word from the father and knew what his, time was what he was to do. Peter comes to him and say, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. I have a crowd over here. And he tells Peter, he said, Peter, I have to go to the next towns because that's where I'm sent. My father is sending me to the next town. So if you have a revival over there, you want to start, you can go and preach that. But I'm not moved by the crowd. I'm moved by what my father tells me. I have to go where he tells me to go. Oh man, what a great, great position of Discipline. Discipline. I mean, Jesus could have, you know, went over there and talked to the crowd. But the question is, is it authorized? Not if I'm an adult enough to do it. Is it authorized by God? Right? I want to do the things that are authorized by him. Because that's where his grace is. That's where his mercy is. That's where his protection is. In, inside of authorized activities. Oh boy, I feel so good right now. I feel the presence of God right now. This is how we get steadfast. Brenda, did you have something? No, I just want to say Jesus was submitted to his father's word. He was, he was. Jesus was submitted to his father's word and he took it seriously. This just ain't my dad talking. This is God talking. <laughs> This is God talking, right? <laughs> so we have to we have to really, really consider. Have to consider these things, you all. And we're talking about we're talking about steadfastness. We're talking about steadfastness, and this is developed over time. This is developed over time. You know, this doesn't happen right away. All right, we have to have a walk and a journey with God. Now, God can catapult us at certain variables and intervals and things like that. That can happen. But for the most part, God wants, I love Mark's statement, Mark Eckbeckel's statement. We have to slow down to the speed of God. God is not in a rush because he's not racing against the clock because he lives in eternity. God's not racing against the clock. That's why Jesus wasn't in a hurry to go and raise Lazarus, right? Because he's not moved by the clock. He's moved by his father's word. He's moved by the timing of God, slowing down to the speed of God, slowing down to the speed of God. I love that. That's a discipline. That's a discipline. Slowing down to the speed of God. So, because here's the thing, I don't want to come across like I can live apart from God, like I can do anything without it. That scripture declares, remember, the scripture declares, Jesus says this, without me, you can do nothing. We read it in John 15 tonight. It was one of our opening statements. Without me, you can do nothing. And you break down nothing, no thing. Without, you, without me, you can do nothing. Even the slightest thing, it takes the grace of God, the strength of God, the ability of God, even our breathing in and breathing out, 
just the rhythm of that breathing in and breathing out. Think about that. God allows us to be able to inhale and exhale. And we do it so reflexively, we don't think about it until there's a blockage. And if there's a blockage, then, you know, there's a problem because the, the airflow has, has stopped. Okay, so let's remember that God is not moved by the urgency. Our emergency doesn't constitute his urgency. Right? He does things based on his will, based on his timing, based on his purpose. All right? I could be praying for good weather that it does not rain because I want to have uh, an outdoor family gathering. Okay? I want to have an outdoor family gathering. But the, the farmer next to me is praying for rain because he has crops that he needs and, and is his livelihood is depending on that. My prayer is a selfish prayer, not that it's a bad prayer, but I want to have good weather for a family reunion. It's not bad, but the farmer has a need that is attached to not only his family, other families. So God looks at both of our requests differently. He looks at it differently, okay? And there is an overarching will that he has. What is God's will? What is his purpose? What is his objective? What is he after, okay? All right, so that's trusting God, trusting God. I wanna pause here to see if we have any uh, other questions. Thank you for the question, Claudia. Hope we answered it. Um, is anyone else with a question or a comment? I want to pause here for that. We're talking about steadfastness. We're talking about steadfastness. We um, we looked at certain things about abiding in Christ, John 15, 4 through 7. Uh, we talked about submission to God. We talked about submission to one another. We talked about submission to the elders. And then we looked at trusting God. Trusting God. Any questions or comments? Just taking a little break here so we can uh, hear from you and see what your comments are about these things here. Because listen, there are things that are gonna hit the earth, the world. And you and I must be prepared for what is coming. Now, here's the thing that we have to, to, to remember. We are not of the world. We're not of the world. We're not of this world system. We live in this world system, but we're not of this world system. All right, in the kingdom of God, we are living in a zone that is different than the world around us. So when we get bad reports, over the news and things that are projected to come and economy, all these kind of things. If we hear that news as though we're a part of this world system, it will affect how we respond. But if we hear it, understand that we're not citizens of this world, but we're citizens of the kingdom of God, that 
God will take care of his own, whether we're here on the earth or wherever it is. He will take care of his own. And he knows the difference between his people and the world. So it's very important that we, we remain cognizant and aware that we are not going to be judged with the world. As uh, 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, if we judge ourselves, if we you know, judge ourselves, we won't be condemned with the world if we judge ourselves. Okay, So we want to always keep the light of God's word on our hearts, on our motives, and all of these kind of things, because they do affect our steadfastness, and they do affect our freedom in God. All right, I want to hear from you. Comments or questions about this, these things that we, we're discussing here right now, talking about steadfastness. This is one of the reasons why I want to build these things up, because when Mark talks about things like the ecclesia, and when there are messages that come forth, we need to know that we have to be a certain type of people to engage with these things. And if we're not steadfast, we can't build steadfast. Oh, I see your, I see your hand, Mark. I see you there. Your mic is open. Go ahead, Mark. Mark, are you there? Yes, go ahead. Okay. All right, okay. Um, this is just so good. The first thing I want to say, I think there were about three, about three or four things over mine. The first thing is a song just uh, pops up that says, what, what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, it says, what, what peace we often forfeit. Yes, all yes. Because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Um, I remember uh, 2018, 2019, when we had um, advanced kingdom conversation, I mean, talking about in-person meeting. Um, I tell you, the, the, the rent for each day, plus all other expenses could be about $500 for each day's meeting. We are doing three days. And um, um, several things will happen, but let me just say this aspect. The last day, we are, we, we are about ending this meeting and the money to, to pay for the last day of, for, the, for, for, the, for the venue wasn't available. And one of the team members looked at me and was like, have we sorted everything? I, I'm like, no. So how are we going to do it? He started panicking. You can see the fright all written across his face. Some way, somehow, I was very calm. I, I don't know, but I had this assurance that if God was truly involved, he was going to see me through. And truly, several things will happen, and we will call them miracles. I'm saying this to, uh, first of all, talk about the last uh, about that one of the points you made uh, just uh, the last few comments and it has to do with the persuasion of the kingdom inside the kingdom we are not persuaded by need we are not persuaded by pressure we are not persuaded by what is trending the in thing we are not persuaded by 
what is prevalent, what is pervaded, what is rife inside the kingdom. The persuasion is by God's need and God's voice only. You know, in Ghana, some time ago, those those listening um, who are from Ghana may, may bear witness to it. Um, you could hear believers talking about the God of emergency. And I kept wondering, where did this God arrive from? This continued for years. And people would say, we're going to church to do direction. And then they said, pick, um, pick a $20, $10, $10, $50, and $100, and come and sow an emergency seed. I'm like... This God is never late. This God knows what he's about. This God has his all his timing right and he's in charge and he's in control. So we fell into this kind of deception of, of labeling this God as a God who is very late and is just jumping into the situation to save it quickly. And that was wrong. That was religion because uh, people have not been taught right. And some people actually lived off that. They made money off that because, um, you see, sometimes God moves to resolve people's needs and problems, even though we may be off, not because of you, the man of God, and even the seed that you'd have sown as a person, but because of his own benevolence and goodness. He knows that if he does not step in with all of your God of emergency seed and everything, you will still self-destruct. And so he would have to step in. And so we get deceived thinking, okay, it's because we did this God of emergency thing. And so he stepped in. Truth be told, God is moved. The kingdom, sorry, the kingdom is moved not by need, not by persuasions and pressures. Moses succumbed to pressure. And the Bible said, the Lord said, Moses, go to Mount Nebo and die. That is a very powerful statement that amazes me. Go to Mount Nebo and die. For you and Aaron, you, you dishonored me before the people. Pressure of the people. Pressure of the people. So we want to be a people that, that I want to be. Let me speak for me. I want to be somebody who, whose heart beat is in time with his. Who will step wherever he steps. And that is where life is. So there could be the storms and there could be the turbulence. There could be the waves casting themselves and billowing over you. You just know for sure that God is in the midst of it. This thing is just a passing storm and, and you're not going to lose your shirt. You, you're going to start this business and you don't lose your shirt. You, you're going to go through this fire and your hair will not be singed. You, there will not be a smell of smoke on you. Um, um, the confidence in what I call baptized in the father's confidence, the confidence of the father, of the fact that he has counted the hair that is on my head and he holds everything together and truly sure as I walk with him faithfully and I yield to him, I know he's never late and he's not going to fail. He will bring me through. He will bring me through as I I am committed and devoted and dedicated to him. That is the first thing, Kelvin, um, uh, comment I want to make. The second thing, quickly, is um, the issue of submission. And you spoke about it in, in two facets, submitted to God and submitted to one another. Um, 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 and it boils down, submission to God boils down to the fact that we abdicate our right. I think 
some time ago, I wrote something. I said that people who are truly free are a people who have sold their freedom and have been captured by Christ and are told what to do and where to go. Those are people that are truly free. They've sold their freedom and so they have gained freedom. And submission to one another, um, we need to emphasize the purity, the, the guardrails and the purity in, in this that uh, uh, can my brother, can my sister trust me as, as I submit to him, as I open up myself. I think it was about Paul talking about Timothy, that level of trust. Just imagine Timothy at the age Paul pick up Timothy and how to circumcise Timothy in his 17s or something. And this guy can trust Paul enough and expose all of, all of everything to him. And Paul can do the circumcision and he trusts Paul enough that he will not take off something and destroy his life. That thing, submission to one another, is so powerful. And I, I, I want to believe God that he will give me grace. He will give you grace. I'm talking about all of us, that we will be able to walk in this place. Because when we read certain factors in certain things in the spirit, for example, two of them, it says that, it says that for we have crossed over from death to life because we love the saints. That dynamics is so powerful that even death cannot penetrate. Even death cannot persuade. That if we can walk in that level of purity and trust, uh, submitting to one another, he says, and the people that fear the name of the Lord spoke with one another. That submission to one another, that thing is so powerful that it lifts up a standard against the, 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 the search of the enemy against us and attracts God when we are not even saying, God, come and do this. He come to do awesome things when we are not looking. May God help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, Mark. Um... I wanted to ask you one question before you go. Um, how does, and this is for all of us, how would you answer this question? How does what God did for you previously inform your faith for today's challenges? How do you carry those over? How do you, how do you parlay those into your present challenges, the things that God has done? What do you say to yourself? What do you, how can you bring that faith over to be just as resilient and just as strong as knowing what God had done for you? Any thoughts on that? Kevin, um, just one, two quick comments. For me, um, I don't know how I came into the discovery, but I believe God wanted me to know this and trust him. So the first thing is every single miracle, um, what I call the eternal unbroken continuum. Let me put it, the eternal unbroken continuum. So every single miracle, every single opportunity, encounter, visions, supernatural experiences, low moments, up moments, all of those things put together, they are a statement, one, they are a statement into many things that God wants to bring us into. So Paul says that one thing I do, forgetting the past. So I forget the discouragements of the past. I forget the pain of the past. I learn the lessons from them, the mistakes of the past. I learn the lessons from them. I am encouraged and excited about the successes, but I make sure I'm not held down 
and I'm pressing on to the next level because it's an entrance into many things he wants to say. That is the nature of his doing. Secondly, we see that that um, 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 whatever encounter God would have brought us through, that encounter has a linkage to something that began way back in eternity before I came on the scene. So my life is so powerfully intertwined with that of Abraham, who is gone and he is waiting. My life is so important to David, Daniel, that they cannot step into their reality without me. So when um, I would have come into one moment of discouragement, low moment, and the Lord would have lifted me up and delivered me, I begin to dot the instructions that are found in that experience. I begin to look for that revelation of Christ in that experience, in that it prepares me for tomorrow and the greater battles that are ahead of me. So when God does something, it's an entrance into many things that you and I are coming into. And it's important that even though we could, we may not be able to see, even though we may not be able to see in this present circumstances, the things that are pulling, pulling left, right, center, our hearts can be steadfast and rest assured that God is in the midst of it all and is going to turn out for good. So when we would have come to that level of place of confidence assurance, there are things that do not move us anymore. I give you a quick, a quick, a quick example. I got a call from a young man um, who, who, was, who, who was introduced to me by my wife's junior brother. And he got into a relationship and every now and then he gets into trouble and then he calls me. Sometimes he flies into Sweden and he's in trouble. He calls and how do we do this? Then quite recent, some few months, about two months back, he called about 11 p.m. and said, there's trouble. I've been accused in the office and A, B, C, D, that, that. And I went simply and I said, you know what? This matter is dead on arrival. Please go to bed, relax, live your life. And he was like, I'm, I'm like, no, as you were speaking, I'm just at peace. And I hear the father's voice in my heart, not visions, but this case is dead on arrival. And Kevin and everybody just guess what? As the days will pass by, the storms began to rise in the office. The panic levels, panic buttons are now, are now pushed. He has to respond to emails. And I, and I tell him again, I said, this matter is dead on arrival. All of these emails will fly around, but this thing is dead. This is the way to respond to this. And we kept, we kept drafting notes and responding and responding. And it just became stupid. It's stuck, it's hanging, it's, it's moving nowhere. So we need to hear, and the point is that this young man have been in other troubles and this same God that we are discussing have come true for him. There is a statement in the very first circumstance and encounter experience. That is God wanted to say many things or wanted to bring us into many things in one very first single experience. So our hearts can be assured and we can be baptized in the Father's confidence. That will be me 
my thoughts. Maybe somebody has something else to, to, to share on this. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, not only did you describe that, Mark, there's a conviction and a real embedded belief that comes across, not just, we're not just talking about talking loud, but that these statements, these things are born out of a conviction. And that's what I want each of us to hear and to see about ourselves, that we, that we have to find something about God that we are convinced of, that no weapon, no threat can move or shake. Okay? And, and we have to really dig our heels in and say, listen, I am not moving. I am not moving. I'm waiting on my God. I know what he told me. I know what he said in his word. I'm standing on it. When you look foolish to everyone else, you're standing on it. When it seems like it's not going to work, you're standing on it. And that is the place where we have to get where we are. What the scripture says about Abraham, he was fully persuaded fully persuaded, no room for anything else. No room for anything else. That's beautiful, that's beautiful. Anyone else with any comments regarding this and what, we, what we've been talking Kelvin, about? Yes, Mark, please. Sorry, sorry, permit me to jump in again. Um, I just wanna say another thing about this issue of persuasion. Um, you, you said it and it hits me because uh, look, life, can be challenging for all of us. We can be in one thing or the other and be wondering. In fact, life is almost like you are, you, you, you are getting out of one trouble and jumping to another. When you think you are being free, another meets you. And that has been this life. And therefore, personal conviction, persuasion of all of whom God is and what he can ever do or has ever done is important. In, in, in the case of Pinky, um, Kirian, her little daughter, several things will happen before she was born. And friends, do you know something? When she was born, um, at one moment, uh, I've forgotten the term the doctors use. She, oh, come on. It's almost like, becoming unconscious she goes off and she was in the incubator why because um the breast milk wasn't flowing listen to this carefully the breast milk wasn't flowing at all and gilda was crying she was just she just was sitting and be crying i remember very well ah I've forgotten the term the doctors use. Almost like near death, you know, the baby becoming blue, that kind of thing. No breast milk. So we started praying. Myself, I, I was in the office in Tema, myself and one gentleman who was with me. We just, I said, let's pray in the spirit about this matter because honestly, he's God who have brought her, but what happens next? We don't know. So, and we don't know what to pray. And there was no scripture to pray for breast milk to flow. 
So we started praying. We prayed in the spirit. We just prayed. We just prayed and prayed for about two hours. Praying in the spirit. Mando zebra, We're just praying. While we were praying, then this scripture in Isaiah 44 dropped. It dropped so deep into my heart. And it was, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and flood waters on dry ground. I'm like, God, this is it. And I started screaming it after two hours of praying in tongues. I will pour water and days and flood waters on dry ground. Oh God, let the breast milk flow. Do you know, after about three or four hours of prayer, when I went back to the hospital to check, Gilda's breast milk began to flow. But there was a persuasion. And this persuasion was on the fact that several things would have happened before she was delivered and she was born six months, two weeks. That miracle is something I latched on. There are several stories we can, we can talk about this, but just this little piece. We need a persuasion. What is that thing God ever said to you that moved you? What is that first or last encounter or middle encounter that you have ever had that blew you away? Why would God say, write them on the, on the doorpost, hang them on your wrist, discuss them, talk about them when you lie down, when you walk down the street? It says, when your children shall ask you, you shall tell them that ABCD of this God. Why would God state himself and said, this shall be my name forever and it shall be a memorial to many generations. Look, friends, we have a God who has made himself available and he's committed to and he's disposed to us because he has spoken. If he's not going to be committed, then he wouldn't speak it. And this should be a very powerful persuasion in our hearts. Kevin, thank you. I think I'm talking too much. Thank you. No, no. Uh -uh. It's life coming out of this. Let's look at the chats. <laughs> There's life coming out of this. I'm telling you, people are grabbing hold of faith, Mark. Um, this thing is really hitting our spirit today. I feel it. Even though we may not have comments and things like that, I'm really sensing that this conversation here today is having a connection with people. There's a connection there. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm telling you. Oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad I'm here today. <laughs> All right. Uh, was there anybody else? Anyone else with uh, a testimony or an affirmation that you want to give? I think it was, who was it? Was it Margaret who had an affirmation? She had something here today. She said, Oh my, I'm so blessed. The Bible says we're pressed on every side, but not destroyed. That's right, Margaret. Our God knows what to do in strange situations. Here's is what she says. I'm so convinced that no matter what the situation, my God will definitely come through. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's it. That's it. Abraham was fully persuaded. And like Mark was saying, we have to find that one thing <laughs> where an altar was built. See, he just described a place where an altar was built, 
a place of sacrifice, a place where we meet God. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. A place we never forget. A place where, where doubts were settled, where faith was established, where the matter was closed in faith. That's, that's the place. That's the thing we have to, that's why it must be a memorial because it goes, we go back to a place. This is where I met God. This is where he came through. Yes. Is this Wilgerson? Yes. This is Selisma Wilgerson from Haiti. Yes, sir. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry for being late because I'm very busy. Okay. So anyway, at the moment I'm available now. I'll, I'm we, I, I'm interested in you now. I'm listening you from eighty. Beautiful. Did you have a comment? Yes. Yes. Please, please share it. Okay. Will Gerson? Will is this? We oui. hello, hello, Pastor. Yes. Yes, this is Pastor Tulisma Wilgerson from Haiti. Yes, sir. Please, you share your comment. Okay. So uh, this afternoon, I'm very happy to hear you because I am very blessed from Haiti now at the moment, I'm very blessed. So anyway, I thank God for that for you because you are very, very blessed me in Haiti now. I'm continue to hear you. Wonderful, thank you. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm sending you, I, I'm continually sending you. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's great awesome. having you on. I think we've seen you on before, and it's good to have you with us again tonight. Okay, okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay. Anyone else with a comment on this issue of steadfastness, faith, submission under the hand of the Almighty God, commitment to our faith and commitment to God's word? All right, all right, if there's no one else, I'll, I'll, I'll go on, I'll go on, but I wanted an opportunity to hear from you. I'm going to bring up another instance. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end with uh, this uh, issue of enduring, endurance, okay? We have pictures like Job, Abraham, Paul, and the Syrophoenician woman, who I wanna talk to you about, uh, regarding endurance, all right? So we're gonna look at this issue of endurance. Steadfastness influences, uh, our endurance influences our steadfastness. Okay, in Matthew chapter 15, there is a story of a woman who has a daughter who is ailing. She is sick. She's tormented, I think, of the devil. She's demon possessed, all right? So it says here in Matthew 15, 21, please join me if you can, reading out of New King James. Then Jesus went out 
from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Please catch this. My daughter is severely demon possessed. She, how, does she, how does she address the Lord? How, how does she address him? She comes to him with this statement. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, son of David is what Bartimaeus used in Mark chapter, um, Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. He says, Jesus, thou son of David. So there's nothing wrong with that salutation. Okay, she's in line, very much in order. And here it says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Oh my goodness. She comes to him. She says, have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed, but he answered her not a word, verse 23. And his disciples, okay, let me just, okay. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, I want us to see the four opportunities this woman had to get offended. Number one, verse 23, he answered her not a word. She heard, Jesus heard her. But he answered her not a word. She comes to him with an emergency situation. His response was nothing. So much so she goes to the disciples. And the disciples say to Jesus, not even to her. She's coming after her, send her away. She's crying after us. Almost like she's an insect flying around. Like they, they you know. Get her away from us. And Jesus does not rebuke them. This is her second opportunity to get offended. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was sent, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what Jesus is saying to her in this circumstance. Even if I had something, even if I had the ability to do it, which I do, what I have is not for you. It's reserved for someone else. It's the third opportunity for her to get offended. But look at what she comes back with. She came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. She could have she went away when he said nothing. She definitely could have walked away when the disciples were saying, Jesus, get her away from us, please send her away. 
she definitely could have got offended. And, and the third opportunity here where the Lord says, what I have is not for you. It's for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's for, it's for the house of Israel. It's not even for you. And she comes back. You know what her answer was? Instead of offense, worship. Worship. Look at her resilience. Worship. She came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now, hey, this is the fourth time she could have got offended and, and just walked away. But this woman was built with a determination that not even Jesus's silence, the disciples' criticism, Jesus's correction to this woman of who he was sent to, Jesus saying to her, it is not right, it is not equal to give children's bread to the little dogs. And she came back and she said, Lord, you have a good point. But even the dogs desire the crumbs. Look how unoffendable this woman was. She exercised a tenacity and a, and a resilience and a determination. You know why? Because it served her no purpose to get offended. She could have walked away from Jesus and the disciples. And you know what? She still would have had her problem. That's the point. We could get offended. We could become bitter but we still have our problem. This woman locked her heels in. She dug her heels in the ground and, and basically showed Jesus through her action and resilience. I came to the right place, the right man, and I'm not moving. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. She came back, she said, okay, oh, you wanna go the dog route, Jesus? Okay, all right, we go there, all right. Even the dogs desire the crumbs, so you could still throw me something. And it is that moment that Jesus had enough. And when he responds to her, it isn't even a word, it's an expression. Oh, woman. Oh, woman, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. You have witnessed to, and you have shown me that you are unoffendable. You have shown me that when I, when you have determined that I am your source, you will not leave me. Offense won't, won't cause you to leave. Um, um, uh, derogatory statements and comments won't cause you to leave because you understood that you couldn't go back home to your daughter the same way. 
So what good is it to get offended when your problem is depending on you to bring deliverance back to it? Sometimes there are people who are on drugs and on alcohol and all of these kind of things, and they say things that hurt us. They do things that hurt us, but it's not them. It's their condition. And they're in a desperate situation. They're in a dire situation and they're acting other than themselves. Can we become a person who absorbs those things and don't take, take it personal for their deliverance, for their healing? Can we continue to stand as an intercessor? Can we continue to make an appeal to Jesus, absorb all of the criticism just so that they can be healed, so they can be saved, so they can have a better quality of life? Endurance, endurance. This kind of endurance is not typical. This kind of endurance is not every day. It is born from a conviction that puts an end to plan B. There is no plan B. There is my Jesus and I am going down with him. All right, I'm gonna hear something. I wanna hear something from you. I wanna hear something from you. I wanna hear something from you. Is anybody that have any comments about this? This statement, this, this story here. Let me hear, let me hear, let me hear from you. Let me hear from you. We're talking about resilience. We're talking about, yeah, yep. Yeah, not moving, not giving up, not giving up. Let the storm, not letting the storms move me. That's it, Zarina. That's it. Carolyn, my faith is stirred today. Thank you so much. Claudia, oh my goodness, this is so deep. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, you all. It is time. Would you agree? It is time for a different us to show up to the circumstance. Sometimes we have shown up and we've been quiet. Sometimes we've shown up and we've been weak. Sometimes we've shown up and the devil has bullied us. But what if we came back being nourished by the word of God, being reminded of our identity and we come back and when the enemy comes to our door, he has no idea who is at that door. In each of our lives, you all, there comes a time. There comes a time where you have to talk to yourself and command yourself to be strong. There comes a time you may not be able to get to a message. You may not be able to get to a preacher. You may not be able to get to a song. But you have to remind yourself of who your God is and who you are in him. There comes a time. There comes a time. Brenda says her faith fought and won. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. You all, I'm telling you, these kind of messages and these types of faith-stirring uh, statements are born to install strength into our hearts. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. 
You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. So when we hear that, I don't know what it is that causes us not to feel like we won't be afflicted. The scripture says many are the afflictions. That's true. That's facts. But the truth is the Lord delivers them out of them all, leaving none of them open. He delivers them out of them all. The afflictions are the righteous. The promise is he will deliver them out of them all, out of, out of them all. You all, I, I'm, I'm just saying this to say, these stories in the Bible, these testimonies that we share and the convictions, they are born from a knowledge and an experience of God that arm us for the next challenge. Whatever it may be hiding, whenever it shows itself up, our answer is still the same. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. He's an awesome God. All right. All right. Any, anyone want to make a comment or statement about this? About this, what we're talking about here. This issue of endurance, this issue of endurance, this resilience, this no, not taking no for an answer, this remaining the same, holding on, holding fast to what the Lord Jesus said. Not what the circumstance is saying, not what it looks like, not what my emotions are telling me, not what my body is telling me. Okay, anyone? Anyone? All right. Okay. Okay, we'll continue. So we see this Syrophoenician woman who was unoffendable, and she was able to go beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Mark said, I was sure by now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Kelvin? Yes, uh -huh. um, yeah. yes, please. As you talk, several things are flowing. And um, there's a piece of song by a gentleman called Casting Crowns. And um, the title is Praise You in the Storm. Friends, when I believe that when God begins to speak, to us in this manner, he is preparing our hearts, he's, he's fortifying us emotionally, he's riveting our emotions in a certain way so that when the storms come, we'll be able to stand. So this song just popped up. Let me just read one or two lines. It says, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped away and wipe and wipe our tears away, step in and save the day. And once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. So just imagine that picture, the storms are on, and uh, you're expecting a miracle. It is 6 p.m., no miracle, 8 p.m., no miracle, 10 p.m., 12 a.m., and it's almost as if tomorrow is coming and the shame and disgrace will surround you all. That is the kind of thing. And he's praying. He's, he's reaching out. God is not saving the day in a manner in which he would have wanted. But he said, but as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am with you. And it continues. So he says, um, I will praise you in the storm. I remember when I stumbled in the wind 
uh, you heard my cry, you raised me up again. But when my strength is almost gone, how can I carry on if I can find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am, I'm, I am with you. I'm with you. And so I believe God is speaking to us in a way. I believe God is causing us to be baptized in the Father's confidence. I believe God is causing us to come into a certain consciousness of living. And I pray that this will live with us throughout. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for that song. As it was, um, as I was listening to the lyrics, the, the lyrics that you were, you were calling there, you know, it, it has a certain calibrating component. It, it's a teaching. It's a way we should respond to God. It's looking for him in a particular way. And he doesn't come that way. And he leaves us with his word. Think about it. Everything with God, you all, is about a word. I'm with you. That word has to wrap us like a blanket. I'm with you. It has to wrap us like a blanket. It has to really, I mean, we don't need more after he tells us that. We may want more after he tells us that, but we don't need more after he tells us that because his word is designed to secure us. His word is truth. We need not look for anything else. We need not look for anything else. So I, I love that, Mark. Thank you for sharing that. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah, we're, we're looking for outcomes. We're looking for relief. I, I was reading something here. Uh, we had a comment here. Oh, Unica, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God bless you, Unica. God bless you. So good to have you on. Cassidy. Cassidy says, I must trust in God, not an outcome. That's a very, very, very important thing. Uh, not an outcome. Not an outcome. Because we can be dependent. We can be, um, we can be distracted by outcomes. One thing that I found out about God is that he is a repurposer. If I give God my request, he can repurpose it. I'll give you an example. I was speaking to my sister, Carolyn, who's on the call. I was speaking to my sister at a season in her life, an episode she went through her life, where she did a great deal of fasting and praying and fortifying herself for um, a court battle that she had. And, and the court battle did not end as she had fasted, prayed, and believed for it to. And she was extremely disappointed because everything that she had been taught and known, she employed. She employed. What the Lord gave me to share with my sister was that your prayers and your fasting has been repurposed by God to shelter you and to hold you and keep you from the outcome he knew would occur. So while you were praying for victory, he repurposed it and used it for safety. So your prayer was not wasted. 
it was repurposed into what was needed when you did not get what you desired. So it's important for us not to focus on outcomes. I don't, okay, the reason why I have faith is not because what I'm praying for and believing for is going to work. The reason why I have faith is because Hebrews 11 and 6, it pleases God. <laughs> it pleases God. That's why I have faith, because it pleases him. God is sovereign. He may overrule me. He may, you know, not allow the judge to rule in my favor, but I still have to have a relationship with him, even after I'm disappointed. So, so I have faith because it pleases him, not because the outcome was favorable to me because God is sovereign and he knows things that we don't. And we have to trust him beyond disappointment, beyond fear, beyond pain. We still have to trust him because if we run out on him and we forsake him and we give up and we just say, I quit, we still have our problem. That has to be dealt with. Any comments, any questions on this? Any statements to be made? Brenda says, yes, Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's one thing Brenda and I can say. God is faithful. Many of you all can say it too. God is faithful. He's faithful. Zarina says, yes. Everything we go through is worked out for our good and glory, amen, God's glory. Yes, indeed it does, indeed it does, indeed it does. Well, friends, I think we've reached the end. We've reached the end of our time together. I am so grateful for this time and for this moment. There's more, more than I had here. I um, still have more on endurance. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 1 uh, is one. Wherefore, seeing we're also composed about with great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That's endurance. Patience is endurance. All right? So that is one. And there were other things. Uh, enduring persecution, enduring chastening, enduring temptation, enduring grief. I'm unable to get to those uh, right now, but I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to pray that God would fortify us in the next few minutes that we have here. I want us to pray. Uh, Mark, uh, do you have uh, any uh, anything you want to say or add or you want to direct us in this part? Kelvin, not, not, not much to say, but uh, I think it's just in good direction for us to pray. Um, I believe everybody on this call may be dealing with one thing or the other. And prayer is not just a tool to get something from God, but it's an essential part of who we are and how we live. It is, it is how we breathe, how we 
we really get sustained and and come to the level at which God wants us to again. So, Kevin, I'm cool. Please just just go ahead. And I want to say, let's pray for Kesley, uh, more specifically, as you pray, as you lead us. And let's pray for Unica and Sherbet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe God is going to use this to touch every other person. Mm-hmm. Kesley, I don't know if I should say, but Kesley, Kesley, Kesley got a report on the grandson um, that has some medical challenge. Mm. But the things we are hearing, I believe God is speaking to our hearts mm. and he's blasting those rocks of a problem or mountains or whatever it is. So please, over to you, sir. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Father, we come before you now. Cassidy's grandson. Father, the news. We've talked about J. Iris and the news of his daughter. We talked about uh We've talked about Lazarus and his sisters over his death and the grief that was there. We talked about the Syrophoenician woman. We talked about her and we talked about the four uh, opportunities for her to get offended and she did not. Lord, you met each one of these circumstances and Father, we are coming before you now on behalf of Cassidy's grandson. In the name of Jesus, send your word. Your word declares you sent your word and you healed them all. You sent your word, your word did it, and it healed them all. We're sending your word in Cassidy's grandson's direction. Father, we don't know what the circumstances is, and we don't even want it to affect our faith. We're believing you. We're believing you. We're believing you. We're trusting you that you are there right now touching that body. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are a mighty healer. Lord, let there be testimonies of what has occurred. We we know that there's nothing too hard from you, nothing too hard for you under any circumstance. So, Father, we come before you now, trusting and believing you, sending your word in the name of Jesus, of healing, touching from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, that your breath would breathe upon him, that your healing virtue would permeate his body right now in the name of Jesus. We believe you for it, Father. We trust you for it now. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that permeates the body. You made him. You know all about him. You know what is out of line and how things need to be brought into divine alignment. Lord, your word rectifies it all. And we speak your word over him right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak your word to Unica, her body, and Sharbert them as a couple. Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus to speak life and health and strength and direction into their lives. Lord, you have called them. You have established them. Father, I pray that you would move and touch Unica's body now from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. Father, move upon Charbet, her husband, in the name of Jesus, whatever challenges they may be dealing with, whatever circumstances may be going on. Father, we pray that you would calm the sea, calm the winds, the waves. Father, give them a reprieve in this hour, in the name of Jesus. Let their souls find a respite in you. Let, your, let their faith come alive. Let it come alive, Lord. Let it come alive. In the name of Jesus, we trust you and we believe you and we thank you, Father. Your word is true. We have no hope but you. We have no help but you. 
And Lord, we're trusting you. And we thank you, Father, for being a good father to us. The Bible declares that you open your hands and you satisfy every living thing. That includes us. Thank you, Lord. We have whatever we need. All of our sufficiency is in you. You told Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. We don't have to look to things to reward us. You are our reward. Our reward is you. And we thank you for being our reward today. Lord, look upon our dear brother Mark and his family. Father, look upon him. Continue to strengthen him and build him up in the things of God. Let your grace, oh God, continue to be multiplied to him. Lord, we thank you for finances, for the, for the ventures and the things, oh God, that he has before you. Lord, we believe in you to bring these things to pass. Thank you for the testimonies that you've given him, Lord, and the things that have been shared and, and all of the accounts that have been shared here tonight, Lord, about your goodness. Let our faith draw uh, inspiration from it. Let our faith be strengthened and encouraged tonight, knowing that you are the same God in that season than you are in this season. You're the same God. Lord, we trust you. We believe you. We depend on you. We count upon you. We love you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we pray that your grace would be upon every family. Send your word to every family. Heal every family. Every circumstance and situation, pressure and, 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 we, and, and sickness and disease and these kind of things that assail us and others in our family. Father, we speak a word of, and we release that word upon your people now that says you are the Lord that heals us. We thank you that healing is the children's bread. And Father, we take portion, we take joy in that today. In Jesus' name, until we meet again, amen and amen. Well, friends, it's, it's great to be able to share this time with you. And again, Mark, we thank you for the opportunity to address this beautiful family, this wonderful family, this composition of beautiful people that God has sought fit to meet on this call. And it's uh, just a joy to, to stand with you and to, and to share in these, uh, in these meetings. And so thank you, Mark, so much. And over to you with final words and, and closing us out. Well, we bless God. And uh, just simply to say, Look out for the recording. I'm going to do my best so that it comes out tomorrow because it's worth listening again and again and again. Um, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. But the original translation actually says faith comes by hearing, hearing again. No, not the original translation, but the, the Greek expression and interpretation of that that statement in the Bible is hearing, hearing again, hearing again, again and again, and again and again, and then faith comes by that sort of posture. So we need to get into this. And we, we trust that God will, as Kelvin has prayed, and our hearts are together in this, I believe that there is something miraculous, something about the new normal that has hit our world. And we should go out, go back, being expectant, live in that place. Like Daniel, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, King, um, even if our God will not save us, will not bow down to your idol. May the good Lord be with you or strengthen you. God bless you. So you will find a recording on the podcast channel and then on YouTube. 
um, on the podcast channel, if you look for He Breath and Man Became, you'll find the previous recordings and others. On YouTube, if you look at Mark Agbeko, you'll find the previous recordings and this current one and others. God bless you. I want to say I'm done. Have a good night and have a good one. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good night. God bless you, Pastor Marco. It's a pleasure yes, to me from Haiti to hear you this afternoon. God bless you. God bless you too. God bless you, Brother Mark. Thank you so much for the uh, the form that that you have here. It's such a blessing today. Be well. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you, Carol. Have a good Thank one. You for sharing with me. Have a good one. Thank you. Zarina, have a good one. Have Thank a you, good everyone. Thank you. Guys, I love you guys. Love I got my too. phone call because I'm in the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Love you plenty, plenty, plenty. <laughs> yeah, so good to hear you. It was so good. Thank you so much. Praise God. Wonderful. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Kevin, God bless you. God bless you, Mark. You are just like an unchained fire. I mean, you just <laughs> you just ravage through everything. And this is lovely. Praise God. Praise God. Wonderful. Thank you, Pastor Marco, for sharing with me. God bless you. God bless you too, Wilson. God bless okay. you. All right. So we'll catch again. Okay. Soon. Kevin, I'll stay in touch there. Sounds good. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Okay. Appreciate Bye for now. Too. Bye for now. Bye. Now, um, I want to welcome Kelvin. Um, today is Thanksgiving, time to be spent with family. And uh, Kelvin and I were laughing over uh, a comment he made. <laughs> but uh, sincerely, Kelvin is spending part of his time with us. It's a big holiday out there, but he's spending part of his time with us. And we want to continue. I don't know what God has placed on Kelvin's heart to continue to speak to us today. But uh, last week, we started talking about steadfastness. And steadfastness is so crucial in this season of boisterity, where so many things are pulling you and dragging you in different ways. Steadfastness is so critical, is so important in, in the face of, of the realities that confront us, where we will need to uh, remain loyal to God, remain faithful to him from a friend out of Nigeria. And I went like, ooh, I love this. Let me just read it. It's, uh, I think it's a Bible verse he actually quoted. I hope I can find it. Let me see. Yes, Colin sent me a message. And the message read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 7. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. In this season of several things seeking to occupy our minds and, and, and come into the space of our emotions, and our relationship with God, steadfastness 
is a key thing. Let every man be a liar, let God alone be true. And he says, be perfect for I am, I am perfect. Be holy for I am holy. And he is a faithful God and we want to walk in faithfulness. So without much ado, I want to turn it over to Kelvin and let's just see and begin to discuss the very things that the Lord has placed upon his heart this evening for us. Um, Kelvin, over to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for everyone who is um, who is tuned in to us here live and those that will be tuned in uh, later through the recording. I want to thank again, Mark Egbeko for this opportunity to, to share with you the word of the Lord. Uh, I really appreciate uh, this opportunity, uh, but more importantly, I appreciate the relationship that we have and, and that is developing. I have high regard for Mark Egbeko and I, and I, I know it, my family knows it, and uh, this, is, this is what it is. And God has saw fit that we uh, would journey together as we have, and I'm so grateful. It's been such a blessing in my life. So I had, had to say that, I deeply, deeply mean, mean that from my heart. Um, we were talking about steadfastness last week, as Mark uh, mentioned, and I want to go back to steadfastness again, uh, because I think that there are the things that are there for, uh, for each of us. I know that uh, even as one who was just sharing this last week with you uh, as myself, was having things ruminate in my mind regarding steadfastness and, and areas. And one of the areas, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna talk to, I'm gonna speak to them in a moment, but I was just thinking about this journey with God and what it entails. And when you've been walking with God for a little bit, you've been walking with God for a stretch of time, a period of time, you come to know that there are various seasons in walking with God, that there are painful seasons, there are difficult seasons, they are, there are hard places, um, and hard places are not necessarily bad places, they're just hard places. And um, one of the things that I'm seeing here is how God wants me and wants us to treasure his presence in whatever situation is the landscape of our lives change as the scenery changes, as episodes transition and change in our lives. That he wants us to be reminded, just as he said to Abraham. I am your exceeding great reward. We, we, we don't have guarantees about life. There's some things that will sneak up on us that we don't even, we weren't even prepared for. And uh, this is a part of life. But to understand that having God, having the Lord Jesus in every episode of my life. So if it's grief, he is my comfort in the grief. If it is tribulation, he is my strength in the test. If it is sorrow, he's my joy in that season and moment. And so um, coming to a place where the presence of God, who he is, becomes more crystallized than looking for a comfortable life down here in, in earth. 
And uh, I think that many times we um, we tend to seek comfort and relief. And uh, the Lord told me one time that relief is a trick. Relief is a trick because relief can have us um, lapsing where we're not alert, we're not vigilant, and we are relaxing and reclining in moments where we should be vigilant and should be uh, alert. So I just wanted to just to just say that, but uh, I was just thinking about that because even like in my own life, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. We don't worry about it, but we have to worry about or be concerned with who is in our lives, who who controls tomorrow, right? So we were talking about in, in uh, steadfastness, our key scripture was John 15, four through seven. The words of Jesus, John chapter 15, verses four through seven. This is what it says in verse number four. Abide in me and I in you. The words of Jesus, abide in me and I in you. So this is positional abiding that Christ is referring to. Abiding in him, positionally, spiritually, positionally in him. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse seven, if ye abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, you remain steadfast in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, very important key passage of scripture. As Jesus said in John 6 and 66, if you, uh, he says, um, the words that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. So the words I speak to you, they produce spirit and they produce life. And if these spirit life-giving words persist inside of you, if they abide in you, you will have spirit and you will have life. So that, those are the things that causes us to, to be steadfast and to endure. So we talked about submission to God, James 4 and 7. Uh, this is just review. Uh, talk about submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Romans 6, 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness understand, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive or those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So submission to God involves submission to his word. Psalm 119, 105, this is, again, our review. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. Psalm 37, 31, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. None of his steps shall slide. The law of his God is in his heart. All right, and number two, we looked at uh, not only submission to God, but submission to one another. Ephesians 5, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. First Peter five and five, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, 
but it gives grace to the humble. It resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Then it says in verse three, again, uh, 1 Peter 5 and 5, about submitting to the elders. I'm not going to reread that verse again. It was just the one that I just uh, quoted to you. But then we looked at also trusting God, trusting God. Psalm 112 and verse 7, he should not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He should not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That's Psalm 112, beautiful Psalm, Psalm 112, talking about the man who uh, is righteous will not be afraid, afraid of bad news. And um, Jairus was an example we used last week who clung to Jesus' words, even though he heard bad news. And his daughter was sick when he came to Jesus. And then um, after the woman with the issue of blood was testifying, she had gotten a miracle. She was describing what things were done to her. Someone from Jairus' house said to him, Jairus, don't, tr don't trouble the master. Don't bother him. Um, your daughter is dead. So now Jairus, even though he got to Jesus in time, the news changed, even though he was in the presence of God. The news changed. Even though he had got to Jesus in time and he was with Jesus, Jesus, things back home got worse. So as we were saying last week, it took more faith for Jairus to go back home to a dead daughter than it did coming to Jesus with a sick daughter because every step was a step of faith. Every step was a step of faith. And so Jesus interfered that bad news and he told Jairus, you know, don't be afraid, only believe, only believe, right? So let's look at uh, endurance. This is where we, we paused last week and we were looking at the Syrophoenician woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman of Canaan, the Canaanite woman um, who had, um, you know, came to Jesus and Jesus didn't say anything to her at first. And I was bringing out how there were four opportunities for her to get offended, but she did not get offended because when she came to Jesus, she came to him begging him, asking for help because her daughter was at home sick, demon possessed, and she wanted to get help from Jesus. She came to Jesus, came to him with respect, and he said nothing. Then she moved over to the disciples. The disciples said, Jesus, would you please uh, send this woman away? She's bothering us. Jesus never said anything to the disciples. He never corrected them. That was her second opportunity to get offended. The third opportunity, when she came to Jesus and asking for his help, he said that I'm only sent to the lost sheep of, of Israel. So even if I could make you better, and I can, what I've been designated to share this with is with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was another opportunity for her to get offended. Number four, she was able, uh, she was tempted and being offended because of this. Jesus said, it's not meat to give the children bread to the dogs. It's not meat. It's not allowed. It's not permissible. It's not good. It's not proper. And she responded back in worship and saying, yes, Lord, but even the dogs desire the crumb to fall from the master's table. 
And what we said to that was, Jesus's response was not a word, but an expression. He said, oh woman, oh woman, great is your faith. Jesus got to the core of her faith, got to the very bottom of her faith. And when he saw her reaction in worship, even coming back after being insulted, after you know uh, having these things happen to her, she kept coming, she was resilient. And this is the perseverance that I really believe the Lord is looking for today out of each of us to continue to seek him, that we are not offended, we're not, uh, we're not bitter, that we continue to come to him and pursue him uh, because we know that he is our exceeding great reward. So we're looking at this issue of endurance. And so we stop with the, the Canaanite woman. Let's look at Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is a great scripture. I heard an old preacher who's passed on now um, say to me or to the congregation, but I heard him say that it's important to lay aside the weight and the sin. There are people who will feel like carrying weight is okay just as long as you're not sinning. But the way this old preacher said, he said, the weight will hold you down until the sin gets there. <laughs> so it's good not to have the weight holding you down till the sin gets there, right? We don't want the sin to, to overtake us. So weights hold us down until the sin overtakes us. So uh, lay, lay them both aside is the admonition of the writer of Hebrews. And so uh, when we look at runners, runners don't run with uh, a lot of things on. They run with the lightest, clothing possible as to not become encumbered or laden with heavy articles as they're running. In order to be successful in the run, we must lay aside the weight, we must lay aside the wind, the sin that so easily uh, besets us or easily, one translation says, ensnares us. The, the, this ensnaring, it ensnares us. All right. So let's look at this uh, under endurance. Enduring Number one, persecution. Persecution, enduring persecution. Being steadfast in enduring persecution. Matthew chapter 10, num verse number 22. Matthew 10, verse 22. This is what it says in verse 22. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Here's the warning by Jesus. You're going to be hated of all men. And in another place, he said, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Don't take personal offense to it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. It seems like they're rejecting you. But if I sent you, you're there as my representative. So enduring persecution, the time will come where we'll be hated of all men for the sake of Jesus for his namesake. But he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Now, it's interesting. He says, 
but he that endures to the end. He kind of leaves this open-ended because every heart has to determine how we're going to endure. There's a difference between provision and possession. There could be grace for me to endure, but if I don't activate that grace to endure by walking in faith or stepping out into what, what the Lord was saying, what happens is I, I end up not possessing what has been provided for me. Okay, so the scripture here lets us know that if we endure to the end, we will be saved. We will endure, we'll get past men hating us and all of these other kind of things. We'll get past this, but our hearts have to be trained. Our hearts need to be conditioned to become callous to offense, to become callous to entrapment, to become callous to the things that seek to discourage us. And that's why I like uh, in the book of Psalms, it talks about the blind servant, the blind servant in the house of the Lord that sees nothing but to do the will of God. Those in the house only seek to do the will of God. They're blind to everything else. They're blind to what others are doing. They're blind to the criticism. They're blind to the, the faces that don't welcome them. All of these kind of things, right? So we can determine the outcome by our perseverance and endurance. So we must be those who can endure persecution. Number two, enduring chastening. Here's a good one. Enduring chastening. Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, if, and I like this, uh, because the if is, is upon us. It's the condition upon us. If you endure chastening, which lets me know that enduring chastening isn't a given. There's some people who won't see chastening in a, in a clear uh, light. They won't see it with a balanced perspective. And the writer says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as son. Deals with you as with son. But what son is he whom the father chastens not? Why? His love brings correction for the son because the son does not know how to live. The father's experience about life helps to shape the spirit of the son so that the son can live in a world understanding that things just don't happen uh, because you cry and roar, that you must exercise patience, that you must exemplify character, that you must exemplify the fruit of the spirit. So this chastening, this, this, this chastening is really, really um, important. I was one, uh, one of the people who, one of the uh, ladies who is a part of the small group that uh, Brenda and I oversee, uh, was sharing with the people just last Friday. Um, uh, no, not last Friday. It was yesterday, I think. Yeah, it was yesterday. She was sharing with the group, the small group, that she had been rebuked by me uh, one time and, and she didn't even know it. She didn't even know she's being corrected. She didn't even know she's being corrected because it was so laced with love. It wasn't personal, it wasn't punitive, but it was, it was balanced in love. One of the things that comes to me when it comes to this issue of 
of, of chastening, uh, whether it is being delivered or whether it's being received. This issue of chastening, I see how the priests used to put on their garb before they would go and offer sacrifice, that they had to dress, you know, and it's important for us to be covered when we do certain things for the Lord, when we, we, are, when we are serving God's people, that, um, that there must be a garb of humility. There must be clothing, the priestly garments that I wear. These aren't, aren't physical clothes for me. These are spiritual clothes. These are, this is the helmet of salvation. This is, this, you know, I'm, I'm armored up, I'm dressed as the, as the priest would be, offering sacrifices and then engaging God's people based on that priestly function. So if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. So there's love there and there's purpose there. So the chastening is not just arbitrary. Chastening isn't just uh, self-serving, but the chastening uh, leads us to more fruitfulness, leads us to more balance, leads us to more righteousness. Uh, number three, enduring temptation. Enduring temptation. James chapter one, verse 12 says, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life. All these things are very basic, very basic things. We're not getting into a lot of deep detail about these things as we could do, but I'm just skimming the top, if you will, of this issue of endurance, steadfastness, this type of thing. So enduring temptation. Now, let me just describe in James, uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, it has 128 verses on the whole book, 128 verses. that have 56 imperatives, which is what I like about, like about James, because James, every other verse is commanding us to do something. He wants us to put feet to our theology. He wants us to, to walk the thing. He doesn't want us to just talk the thing. He wants us to walk it out. So here, in James chapter 1, verse 12, he is talking about a temptation. The word temptation in the old King James. Temptation uh, is trial. Um, this trial has within it overcoming, uh, enduring temptation. At the end of this trial, it brings a crown of life. Brings a crown of life. The other test comes from Satan. That is inducing us to sin. He's leading us to sin, which ultimately will lead to death. So there are two types of testing and two types of sin temptation. In verse number three of James chapter one, I believe it's verse number three. I don't have my Bible. I'm just doing all by memory right now. But James chapter one, I believe it's verse three, where he says, count it all joy. You fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. Then he goes on and says, but let patience have its perfect work. It is coming to perfect. Patience comes to perfect. It comes to mature. It comes to establish. It comes to develop. So when we step back and we allow uh, the testing of patience to have her perfect work in us, now we begin to become established in the things of God. Let patience complete its work. Let patience finish its work. Okay, it starts, but we need to allow it to finish. The scripture says, he who has begun a good work in you will finish it uh, to the day of Jesus Christ, will accomplish it in the day of Jesus Christ. So, enduring temptation. So, 
This is what he says, James chapter one. Blessed is the man who does endure temptation or testing or trial, for when he is tried, when he is tried, this word tried means to put the proof of by way of an experiment, to put the proof of by way of an experiment. So Jesus uh, endured temptation. And James is telling us about being tried, that God will try us. He will test us because that's the only way we can be trusted. We must be tested. We must be proven. Then we can be trusted. We must be tested. Then we can be proven. Then we can be trusted. So he says, for when he is tried and tested by God, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, this crown of life isn't the crown of life that is given to those at the end of their lives. This is the crown of life that is given in your lifetime. Just like a test or if a runner gets a wreath or a, a reward or an award for coming in first or second or whatever the case is, that's what this is. So what this means for the believer of overcoming a test, what this means for the believer is that your voice in God may increase. The anointing of God, the grace of God upon you will increase. Um, there's something that you get that is an upgrade as a result of enduring the temptation or enduring the test. There's an upgrade. There's, a, there's something that of maturing and, and developing that takes place. All right. Um, I want to just stop here for comments. Is there any comments that uh, anyone wants to? to say here before we move on, dealing with this issue of endurance. Yes, Kevin. Yes, Mark. Um, there's a way in which you, you actually gave assent to it um, that I feel carries in it some uh, or produces in the hearer a certain ability. The I think you use the word being callous towards something. There's a way you put it. Yes. If um, callous toward bitterness. How did you put callous that? To, callous yes. toward bitterness. Good. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. I think we can, by extension, we can apply it to more of the negative situation, being callous towards the negative attractions, being callous towards bitterness, being callous towards those things that seek to persuade us away from, from God, his love, uh, issues of purity. That strikes me in my heart very much. Um, being unbendable, like you have a bar of steel on your inside. On the physical, you could be walking around and you are so malleable, you are so flexible, but deep inside, you, you have this unbendable behavior. Um, you are callous towards things that are negative that could take you away from God. I think 
is the Lord that said to Jeremiah that set your face like a flint. Set your face like a flint and prophesy to these rebellious people. And I think in this era, this season, we need that steadfastness deeply in our hearts and which must inform our choices. Thank you. Mark, I want to thank you for that reiteration. Um, yeah, I really want to thank you for that because when we, when we talk about these things, we talk about being unoffendable as a dear friend of uh, ours makes, makes mention to, being unoffendable, being uh, unbendable, like steel inside, holding fast to the fidelity of what we believe being faithful to God. These things, listen, I'm sharing these things. I don't consider myself teaching. I'm sharing these things with, uh, with you right now, but I will tell you right now, I am, I'm imbibing right along with you. I'm, 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 I'm taking this in right along with you from the feedback. I'm hearing God speak. As the saying is from my dear friend, Andy Williams, we have the mind of Christ, right? So there's something about me coming here and announcing this word on steadfastness. Please remember that the prophet, whether it was Jeremiah, whether it was Isaiah, whether it was um, uh, any of those prophets back then, that when they were speaking to nations, they were citizens too. Someone has to declare it though, but they were citizens too. They had to um, fall in line with that same word that was being uttered from their lips. So the prophet is a citizen too. The prophet is a part of the nation too. So, but someone has to like the trumpet, has to blow that trumpet to sound the alarm, right? And so the blower of the trumpet is also being alerted as they are uh, blowing the trumpet. So I just wanted to just say that this call for me is reciprocal. It's not just um, teaching and sharing and uh, being involved in the conversation. I really am receiving as I'm hearing the feedback and then even hearing the second time and the third time as God is delivering to me this word on steadfastness. So I wanna thank you uh, for that. Mark, and, um, uh, oh, and another thing I wanted to say about what you said, Mark, was this, and to everyone, and welcome those of you who are, who are just coming on. Thank you. Good to, good to see you. Um, I wanted to say this about the issue of the Lord saying to Jeremiah, set your faces flat. Notice this isn't something that Jeremiah can pray for. The Lord tells him to do it. Set yourself like flint, which is, which is really letting us know that there are certain things that we must endure and just get over. We must get over them. As difficult as they may be, as, as trying as they may be, we have to simply get over them. Um, one of, one of the things that I've seen in my own life, I was going to use my daughter as an example, but I think 
I'll just use myself. But the things that I've asked God to deliver me from were the things that actually made me stronger. So while he did not deliver me from it, he delivered me in it. To deliver me from it would have gone against what would have brought benefit into my life and what it would have brought glory to the heavenly father. So asking God to deliver me from something, and we use Paul as an example with the thorn. Uh, the Bible tells us why it was put there. And Paul knew why it was put there. For the abundance of, because of the abundance of revelation he received. He said, it was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Okay. Well, he prayed and asked God three times for that to be taken away because it was painful. And Paul wanted relief. He's a human being, right? He's a human being. Right. And so. But the Lord. At, uh, three times he told him, he answered him, no, 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 no. I will not take it. You have to live with this thorn. And that was one of the things that I was saying in the onset. Transitioning from and moving away from. Having things becoming the reward for our lives and having Christ, having the Lord God become our reward. Because as things come and go, having him as a constant presence is the, is the one that comforts us in our time of need, strengthens us when we're weak, has the future, Jeremiah 29, 11 for us. So, you know, he is not the one to be negotiated, right? If I leave the Lord Jesus because I felt like he wasn't helping me with problems, I can leave him, but I still have my problems. <laughs> So I may as well stay with him because he's the solution. And so some of the things uh, we're asking God to remove us from will not be heard because of the benefit that they bring. So I said that to just say, asking God to take me out of it while he kept me in it, it got it so far out of me to where it, it lifted, it, it, it left me. And I will go back to a... a, a a testimony that I had about several years ago, I was going through something. I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, um, when are you going to deliver me out of this situation? When are you going to bring me out? And he said, when patience is perfected. And uh, I, wow, okay, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good, God, you know? And so, and I was in the, I was in, I was in church and I was in the pulpit. I was in the, uh, up in the pulpit when this happened. I was, Minister and things like that, drifted off during the word like I shouldn't have been doing, mind on problems and stuff like that. Uh, and so, yeah. And so he says, when patience is perfected. So he put it back in my court. He put everything back on me. So I thought that I would try to play chess with God for a minute, try to see if I could outsmart him, right? So I said, okay, Lord, when is patience perfected? And he told me, I knew it was him. I couldn't have came out of this with my own mind. He says, when it doesn't bother you to wait anymore. Wow. So what that meant for me is if I'm going to move forward, 
I can't ask God to take away the faces that don't like me. I have to set myself like Flint, my face like Flint, by doing what? Loving them anyway and obeying what God said despite the opposition. Those are things that I call we must participate in our own rescue. We have to participate in our own rescue. Sometimes we want, you know, that's what happened with the man at the pool. Jesus said, hey, you got to get up, take your bed and walk. You've got to participate in your own rescue. I'll heal you, but there's something you have to do to help you come out of this dilemma. And so that's how I'm seeing this with setting our face like Flint and, and doing the things that are, that are difficult and challenging, but we still do them because they're required of us to do and it's part of our mature maturity and development. Okay. All right, then. Let's... Uh, let, let's see, was there anyone else that had a, a statement or a question before we move on? Looking at enduring steadfastness. We looked at this issue of enduring um, chastening, enduring, um, let me see, go back to my notes here. Yes, enduring persecution, enduring chastening, and enduring temptation. We just looked at enduring temptation and we're about to go to enduring grief. Okay, if there's no one else that has a comment or a statement. Yes, Kevin. Uh, okay, yes, please, Mark. Please, Mark. Kevin, yes. Just to throw in a thought here. Um, I think you and I had a conversation, if not last week, and I happen to have mentioned something about a training video I watch on the Navy SEALs. And a part of the instruction to them was that this is just a training. But if you do not observe, for, for, for lack of a better word, if you do not observe the guardrails, if you do not pay attention to the instructions, you can die. Now, in this video, in one respect, um, I would apply the issue of steadfastness, the ability to endure as um, an instruction from the law, those sets of principles, laws, um, 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 spiritual capacity and motivation that is able to drive us to be able to stand in the face of temptations, to be able to stand in the face of chastening. You know, um, sometimes in life, you may be in certain relationships, relationship uh, to mean maybe uh, you are relating to somebody who is a leader who is a superior and they see more and almost every time they tend to be finding fault with you and it may not never be deliberate but it's a reality that god is seeking to correct or mend and stitch your life so that 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 leakage will not become a portal for the enemy when there is elevation We've seen people rise to, to sudden elevation and it's actually the point of their destruction. So you could be working with the boss and this boss is just constantly on your nerve and he finds fault with everything you do. The ability to remain chaste and be steadfast and enduring is so important in that after some period of time, 
that guardrails of maybe faults being found, corrections being made, adjustments being made, is making you close the gap between your world of perception and reality, which builds you up and makes you ready for a better onslaught. So in these some of these videos that I watch, I observe that if these trainees wouldn't observe, they are even unable to endure the training session in the manner in which is supposed to go. And lastly, many of us, it does happen to all of us, we do give up um, on some projects, some activities, some commitments that, that we have embarked on at the very um, 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 first instance of the voice of God and persuasion that we are even convinced beyond, we are persuaded beyond our conviction. But what happens is that because there is no route to endure, sooner or later, we fade away. There's a need that the vision that is set before me, I remain resolved, resolute. I remain like a bar of steel in my heart. I become fiddle loyal i become i become callous in my heart to every other persuasion where at some point there may be a need for finances to be able to get that vision to the next level and it is almost as if those that even promised you and gave you hope and even told you hey go get this thing done and we are going to support you they all suddenly disappear from you kelvin look um in my personal experience Sometimes you're embarking on a project and you will, I mean, you, you, you have all of these matching feet behind you, telling you, come on, we're going to make sure this thing is done. Get into it. As soon as you put your head in the noose, they are the first people to back off and they pull the rope even in the process, choking you, suffocating you, because maybe the support that they promise you no longer is going to be there you end up in a place of lack, of struggle. And, and it brings people to the place where they begin to even doubt themselves. People who had confidence in you, who believe in you, suddenly they back off and you feel like, did I really hear God? These things we are discussing, my only prayer at this point will be that let the Lord take up these conversations and cause that spirit of endurance steadfastness ability to stay put and continue unflinchingly uh, to, to 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 have undivided attention and focus towards the goal and the very voice that sounded over your, over over you over myself that we will remain committed to these processes because sometimes it can be difficult last week I did mention that everybody, well, every one of us, I believe is fighting some battle at a different level. And it is very possible that we can throw in the towel and walk away. May God give us this grace. May God give us this ability. Let me just pray a bit. Father, thank you for, you are God. You are sharing oh. these words. You are speaking to us because you. you have designed it as a portal that we can wow. enter into grace. That's true.
this portal will be able to step into that through this portal you'll be able to transport us to the next level lord you are preparing kelvin you are preparing zorina you are preparing mark you are preparing veronica lord you are preparing albert you are preparing shabbat unica you are preparing brenda lord in this time of hardness your word tells us that blessed is the man whose trust is in you for some trust in chariots for some trust in horses for some trust in the next promise of opportunity father many of us have found ourselves there we bank our hopes on such 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 promise from friends and loved ones and people we trusted who have been there for us before lord we bank our hopes on this and sometimes we do miss out on your clear voice to us to be able to continue going we have trusted in institutions that are not enduring and everlasting lord we come before you and we say we repent lord some trust in their husbands and wives some trust in 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 a certain joy that is is not is is not long living lord we submit all of these stages of life that we find ourselves in we ask that the very words that are coming will truly indeed be spirit and will carry the intensity of your love your passion the intensity of your commitment the resolution from inside out that informs a persuasion that will make us uncommon people bring us into uncommon faith bring on bring us into uncommon relationships bring us into carrying out uncommon actions and activities for the kingdom not because we want to be known but father that we want to be found in the place of your dealing that we want to be in the very heart of your doing that we will not lag behind five months six months one day a minute but that each beat of our hearts will be locked up in time with yours and each first step of ours will be locked up in time and in each step of yours that father will be able to journey with you we break every spirit of discouragement we rebuke it we take authority over every spirit that makes our hands to drop off and never be able to lay hold upon the activities of the spirit and execute them on the side lord for we know that your word says that for the lord delights to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel and to see the work begin. Lord, that we will enter into the place of revelation and knowledge, wisdom, understanding that will be invigorated by the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that we would dust up our souls and rise up and begin to lay our hands to the wheel and begin to pick up the plumb line and believe and trust in these little beginnings of these these seed ideas these seed opportunities these seed relationships these seed ministries this seed child husband marriage of ours lord that will be able to walk worthy of you cause us to be filled with all wisdom and in on all spiritual understanding that will be able to know what is your perfect will lord bring us to align lord the distractions 
the posteriorness, the ones that you have permitted to stand by us so that we will be trained. Give us the courage according to your word that you create an access, an escape. Lord, cause us to walk in, in, in this internal persuasion that you, God, you are with us and that you are helping and that you are joyful to see the work begin, began. And that, Father, we can have confidence in these little beginnings. Lord, we know that there are persuasions everywhere. The sore kind of experience around us the men and women are scattering. The opportunities, oh God, are fizzling away. But Father, make us men and women who will be steadfast and wait until our change comes. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Father, for grace. And thank you for the release of the Spirit that as your servants continue to talk and discuss and speak with one another, that your presence will fall among us as Kevin continues to speak, that your presence will permeate us. Oh God, as one comments oh God, in the chat room, that your presence will hit us with such a great intensity as it is in heaven with the same backing, with the same authority, the same resources, the same, the same everything at your disposal, even now as we pray. And we speak to one another in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. What a timely prayer. And I'm telling you, I just want us to just receive that prayer in this moment, to receive. Make what has been declared ours. Let's make that ours. Let's, let's receive the strength of that prayer. Let's, let's receive the grace and the weight of that of that prayer, that invocation, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you so much for your word. Thank you. We thank you. Let it be, Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes. Oh, we bless God. We bless God. We praise him. Mm, you know, coming up in the things that we as God's people need to express in the earth, it's going to take a different internal son and daughter of God. It's going to take a different dimension. We have to be a people who are resilient, steadfast, immovable, as the scripture says, always abounding in the work of the Lord, but that we will not be removed from our place in God, that we won't be threatened or pushed back, or we won't be intimidated or bullied by the enemy and by circumstances. You know, uh, the Bible says that there, Paul talks about there's been an effective door, a great door open to me. This is a real blessing, but there are many adversaries. So the adversaries, are they going to run me out away from what God has blessed me? with and bless me to do, or am I going to stand in who God has named me to be and called me to be and remain fixed on what he has declared to live out of his purpose and, and out of his design. So Mark, thank you for that timely prayer. And um, I receive it. I receive it just as it was declared. 
I receive it in Jesus' name. Beautiful. All right, you all, we're gonna we're gonna progress here and have just a couple of more things to do. I'm not concerned about whether I finish this or not. I I just uh, we can drop it at any given time, but um, we see some more here. Enduring, enduring chastening. Let's see, we, we we did this one. We did enduring persecution, enduring chastening, enduring temptation. And I brought out about the issue of temptation, and I think that's why I stopped. The first temptation talks about the crown of life. That crown of life is an upgrade you get from God as a matter of uh, overcoming the test and enduring. You get uh, another level of grace, another level of authority, another uh, dimension of anointing that comes upon you. Maybe it could be uh, a, a gift from the Lord, a, uh, a, gift, a gift of the Spirit that comes alive as a result of endurance. That's what that is. It's an upgrade. But in James 1 and 13, that temptation comes not from God, but from Satan to try to get us to sin so that it messes up our fellowship with God. So there are two types of tests and two types of temptation as recorded in James 1, 12, then James 1 and 13. All right, so number four, enduring grief, enduring grief. First Peter 2 and 19. For this is thankworthy, the scripture says, First Peter 2 and 19, verse number 19, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. This is thankworthy, Peter says. If a man for conscience toward God Endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So um, I remember circumstances where I believed I was right and I wanted to make my point across and the Lord told me to be silent. It was internal and it was so strong and I knew it was God. I could not say a word. I had to adjust to the fact that maybe I would be misunderstood, that um, whatever a person would think or feel as a result of me not responding, but whether anything happened good for me or not, that's not the point. The point is me living under the harness of God. Can I be a person that lives under the harness of God or do I have to say one more word? Or do I have to say or, or have the last word? Can I suffer? Can I suffer and endure wrongful things in conscience toward God? That's 1 Peter 2 and 19. So this is a part of maturity. Uh, and an old preacher told me one time, he said, a person can call you a dog. It doesn't mean you have to bark. You know, um, we, we are God's people. We don't get our identity from opinions. We don't get our identity from the world. We get our identity from our father. We are who he says we are. So, you know, regardless of what people think, how they feel, what their opinions are, and people can have those things. They have a right to their opinions. But 
It should not affect the things that we have to do for God. It should not affect our love for them. And it should not affect uh, any of those things for the kingdom. So it, regardless of how we're received, regardless of whether people like us or not, that's not why we're here. We are here to please our Heavenly Father. And that's what we have to stay focused on. You know, it does not mean that we are bitter or angry or uh, those kind of things there. We could still be loving and respectful and kind and still not worry about people's opinions of us. Okay, because sometimes those things can distract us. Opinions can distract us. All right. So we don't want to be distracted by those things. We don't want our, our obedience to be um, thwarted or, or uh, distracted. We want our be obedience to be full of alacrity and joy and gleeful service. And we want our response to God to be yes. We want to respond to him quickly and reflexively. All right. So uh, agape love. We want to be a steadfast in agape love. This is the God kind of love, a love that is constant for undeserving creatures, a love that produces love in us for one another and for God. Agape love enables one to cling to God and to remain steadfast. To cling to God and remain steadfast. All right? So the love of God compels us the love of God is, is sacrificial. It, his love isn't reciprocal. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave without anybody asking him. He gave because he decided to love us. He gave us what we needed. So he initiated the love. And we respond to it. We respond to it, all right? So we want to remain steadfast in his love. First Corinthians 13 talks about that's agape love. That's not phileo love. That's not, you know, these other kinds of love that uh, Sturgos, Sturgos uh, love. Um, I forget the, all the names of them, but this is agape. And agape is the love of God. While I may not be able to love everybody as, as, uh, uh, without distinction or without preference or without, you know, while I may have distinction in my own flesh and out of my own being, God wants me to be a vessel for his love to flow through then I don't have to worry about getting it wrong. Then I don't have to worry about who gets to be loved by God and who doesn't because it's him loving through me. And that I can do. I can allow him, his love to be lived through me. But if we are using humanity to take, uh, to, to draw these conclusions of who is loved, who is to be loved and who isn't to be loved, well, then we'll miss it. That's not the love of God. That's not the love of God, because if he's loving through me, I'm loving the unlovable. If he's, love, if he's loving through me, then I'm loving those who despitefully use me. If he's loving through me. But if I'm loving out of my own heart, then 
You know, I can't fulfill God's requirement that way. So I have to die to my will, die to my flesh, and move over and allow him. Where there's no hands-on, it is him loving through me. And so I don't even have a choice. I'm not even cognizant. And that's what the scripture tells us. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. What he's saying is, like people drink, okay, and become intoxicated. They drink and they become inebriated. What do we call that? Being under the influence. So what Paul was saying is, as you drink of the spirit of God, you come under his influence. You come under his influence. When you drink of the new wine, you come under his influence. All right? And then it is no longer the person. Now they call it the alcohol. That person is under the influence. They stumble when they walk. They, their speech is slurred. They, they say things. They get courageous. Right? Why? Because it's the substance that's inside of them that is informing how they behave and how they conduct themselves. That's what he's, he's telling us in, in, in that book of Ephesians, be not drunk with wine. Drink of the spirit because it's not dissipating. Drinking wine, that's dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Come under his influence. Then we can love like he wants us to love. We can endure like he wants us to endure. We can overcome as he's designated us to overcome. All right, let me move quickly now. Diligence. Diligence is constant and persistent effort and care taken with regard to an assigned task. We must be diligent in well-doing. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. I love this scripture in Galatians 6 and 9 because it, it is telling me something. It's informing me of something that this scripture, this scripture never would have been here if people didn't have a tendency to get weary in well-doing. <laughs> this happens as a result of living life. You can become weary in well-doing. So this scripture is here to encourage us, don't let that happen. Don't become weary in well-doing. Keep your eyes fixed on the due season where we will reap if we don't faint. If we don't faint. So I love this scripture. Don't be weary in well-doing. It's easier said than done, but um, if we commit ourselves to it, we will be resilient and keep bouncing back. So we can't, we must be diligent in well-doing. We must be diligent in abounding in the Lord's work. First Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, that's good news. Because your flesh and your emotions can inform you and tell you it's not worth it. People don't care about you. Nobody's listening to you. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you throw in the towel? Why don't you just give up on everything? Well, last time that I checked, 
the enemy was not the spokesman for my walk with the Lord. Okay, so he is not God's spokesman to me. So I'm not going to get my information from him. And we, Jesus was the example of that in the baptism, after the baptism in uh, Matthew chapter four, where he was in the wilderness and he did not do what Satan was trying to get him to do through temptation. He came back with the word of God. And this was an old issue of if you be the son of God. Well, God had already said he was the son. So that's not even up for discussion. When Jesus came out of the baptism, out of the water, God, the heavens opened up and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit takes him out of that water and immediately he whisked him away into the wilderness to be tempted. Not to lose, but to beat the devil on his own turf. Because God had already said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But, you know, the enemy doesn't really care about it. God can warn Satan about Job. You don't want to mess with him. He's upright. He's blameless. He fears me. He turns away from evil. There's nobody like him in the earth. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, you let me. You let me after him. That'll change. No, it didn't. It didn't. And it couldn't, because God had already known Job's ability from the onset. He knew that Job would endure. Out of his foreknowledge, he knew that Job would endure. And if you really want to know the truth, beloved, Satan could not have asked for Job had he not been ready to endure. Now, that's a whole other discussion. Okay? He could not have asked for him unless God knew. Unless God knew that he could make it all the way through. Satan doesn't have all power. Doesn't have all power. Right? Okay. Oh, this is good. Serena, it's it's a heavy part of uh, of maturity to give up what you believe your rights are and sit quietly as the underdog and wait. But it is in the waiting that God is working both on us and the situation so true so true so true veronica says in jesus's name yes in jesus's name all right beautiful thank you for that contribution thank you for that contribution that's it it's and, and this is why we can't walk by feelings because that's the first thing that is affected. Sitting in silence as the underdog affects our feelings. It affects our mindset, our mentality. It, it, it affects our emotions, all of these things. It affects us. But to defer, uh, uh, you know, I guess you all say, you know, I always have these, these sayings from old preachers. Well, there was a preacher that told me once, he said, the Lord told him, if you take it personal I will not but if you don't take it personal I will now see I know that was God because that's what he deals with me he always puts the ball on my side of the court he always puts it in in my arena to make a decision how long how long should I wait 
till it doesn't bother you to wait anymore. That's how I know patients just perspective. Wow. So I have to make the adjustment. I have to make the adjustment. Okay. All right. Let me move on. Very, very good. Very good. All right. We're looking at um, not being weary in well-doing, abounding in the work of the Lord, Isaiah 15, 58, right? He says, be steadfast. Here it is. Mark talked about the, the unbendable iron, right? Unmovable, unmovable. This is an attitude of the heart, you all. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This means that no matter what, I'm going to do this as an act of my will. You are imposing your will on your soul, your mind, will, and emotion. You're imposing your will upon your soul. You're saying, this is what you will do. You're going to be steadfast. You're not going to be movable. You're going to always abound in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My emotions do not get to, to rule. They fluctuate too much. My emotions can be feeling good at 12 noon, and at 6 p.m., they can be bad. That's why we can't give ourselves to our emotions, but we must remain fixed on principles. When we live the principled life, then we do what we should because it's required and not because we feel. My mind must be stronger than my emotions. My determination to do God's will must be stronger than the pushback because pushback is coming. But you learn how to push back the pushback. Yes, yes. So resistance, if you notice those who work out and do the weights and all those kind of things, it is the resistance that makes us stronger. It's the heavy burdens that make us strong. So coming to a place where we understand and we're able to look inside, what's inside of this process for me? What inside of this process is gonna cause me to grow, to develop, to mature and bring God the highest glory? Because there's only two things God is concerned about, okay? In, in, in a test, he loves us, but there's only two things he's concerned about. His highest good, or my highest good, and his highest glory. My highest good, his highest glory. That's what he's concerned about. Whatever's going to bring him the highest glory and me the, me the best good, or us the best good. That's it. So if ultimately it's going to bring us to the best good, that's what the Lord wants. All right. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Number three, service. Ephesians 6 and 7, with good, with good, will doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. With good, will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. We must serve him. We must serve him. We must serve him. Our service must be directed toward him. Our love must be directed toward him. All right? Hebrews 12, 28, wherefore we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby 
we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. I love that. Cannot be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because we're in a kingdom that cannot be moved, cannot be shaken. That, that, you know, that's an attitude. That's a determination. That's a mindset that we say, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved. I'm only moved by what God tells me. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what they say. I'm only moved by what my Heavenly Father tells me. That's the only thing that moves me. So here's the thing. Here's my point. Here's my point now. The issue of not being moved is something that I grow into. I grow into that position. I develop into that position. So my resistance over time is making me stronger. And then the fight becomes easier as my faith, as my strength and faith increases. Okay? So this position here is meant to grow. This level of faith has to grow. That's the development. And then it becomes not just something we say, but a, a personal conviction. The Bible says Abraham was fully persuaded. You couldn't get anything else in there. You couldn't, there was no room for doubt. It was jam-packed with faith for God. That was it. Fully persuaded. There was nothing else left in it. All right? So we want to be steadfast in service. Steadfast in fellowship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help. Now, this just isn't talking about married people. This is talking about people, two are better than one, that we're not to live in isolation. We're not to live alone. We're to live with our brothers and sisters in corporate fellowship and worship and those kind of things. So you always have a brother or a sister to help lift you if you fall because you live community life and you're not in isolation. That's what that scripture is talking about. Okay. And then Philippians 127, only let your conversation or your lifestyle, that's old King James, conversation, that's lifestyle, be as it becomes the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affair, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Okay? So let your conversation, your lifestyle, be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. So Paul was saying, listen, I want you all to do right whether you see me or not. I want you to be faithful whether I'm at church or not. I want you to learn how to be led by principle and not by personality. Listen to hear me and not look to see who is the presenter. And this is something the Lord had to grow me out of. He had to grow me out of this because when I was going to church uh, several years ago, when the pastor wasn't coming, I'd leave church. I mean, how foolish is that? How, fool how unwise is that? To say that God can't speak to someone else and give them what I need but my heart was immature. It was immature. Right? So Paul is saying, whether I'm there or not, 
I want you to stand fast in one spirit because that's more important than whether I'm there or not. That you stand fast in one spirit. So let's focus on what's most important. What's most important is who's, who, who is God using to speak today? What is God saying today? And that can come from any of his vessels. And they have that problem with distinctions in First Peter 13, but on a First Peter, uh, First Corinthians 3, I'm sorry. First Corinthians 3, they had that problem with uh, uh, personalities and, you know, I'm of Apollos, so I can't listen to you, Peter. Peter, I'm of Paul, so I can't listen to you, uh, Peter. I can't listen to Paul because I listen to Apollos. All of those things. And Paul had to tell them, wait a minute, are they not all ministers? These are your servants. God's not going to give everything to Paul. God's not going to give everything to Peter. God's not going to give everything to Apollos. So your exposure to all three is making you better. Yeah. Benefits. Okay. All right. I have uh, I have more here, but I'm going to close here because we're out of time. So I want to, uh, Marcus prayed for us. I mean, he sealed us real good with that prayer. Um, so I'm going to ask if you have any questions or comments on this steadfastness. Yep, we want to learn how to push back the pushback and to anticipate it, to know it's coming, but just really understand that there's no, listen, I am, I am the, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. That's it. And so the only way that means something is that I'm very committed to what God has said about me. Okay, now I have to uphold what he said about me. I have to live that out. Jesus, even though God said, this is my beloved son in whom I will please, he had to go to the wilderness to prove it. He had to go to the wilderness to prove it. Yeah. So that's what determines. What are we willing to do to prove it? So Mark, I want to thank you for this time and um, being able to share with these precious saints of God and those who were not with us on recording day, but are listening by playback. You're just as uh, uh important to us we are appreciative to you and i thank uh my dear brother mark and my dear friend for giving me this opportunity uh, we're going to continue to be on uh whether we're speaking or not this is our family we love it we love you we love god is dwelling here on this call people are going to soon to know it but god is dwelling on this call he's speaking to us and uh i'm just so grateful for it so not the numbers, it's the quality of what's happening here, the speaking of the Lord. Uh, and then, um, yeah, this is, this is really great. So Mark, thank you so much. Back over to you. Yeah, Kelvin, we cannot be more than grateful enough. Um, this is just so good. Um, like I said, everyone is fighting some battle at some level. And these things come to remind us that God is watching over us and he's watching us and that he is reminding us to remain in that conviction we started with and even grow into the expanded forms of that conviction as him, God places these things before us. The challenges will arise. The oceans may rise, 
the shaking and the turbulence may right. Let me let me just share some some testimony before we end this in the year 2003 i was paying a friend in and some money together to rent a place uh, another friend another future friend had rented a kind of self-contained in that compound which was part of what he rented. So I'd given him some advance and I was going to top up. But just suddenly this preacher friend was also not ready to give the place to me. So he had to return the money. And then the friend I was preaching with in Tema Committee 5 just suddenly told me to leave. I had no place to go to accept, go back to my father's place where I used to be. Then another friend said, okay, I found you a place. You just go perch in this place. So I was perching the place and sleeping on the carpet. That was in 2004. I was sleeping in the living room on the carpet. Um, several things to say about that later. And I was so determined to get a place of my own. The, that place where I moved to they constantly persecuted me and wanted me out. One day, I visited a friend in his office. Then he told me he was going to support me with some small amount, so he gave that amount. I left the place. Then Sunday, I had to preach in a place. And I quoted Psalm 46. As I quoted Psalm 46, just when I was about to, to teach and professor, just imagine with all of the prophetic hours, I had no place to leave. And so just when I was about to preach, this scripture just enveloped me and I quoted it as I was reading through it. I mean, people were screaming amen and shouting and, and it was as if we were breaking through um, some resistance. The next day, I got a call from a friend. The next day, I got a call from a friend in the UK. And he went, the call went like this. How about your accommodation problem? I said, yes, we still believe in God and trust in God. Mind you, I was sleeping on the carpet in the living room of this place, this new place I was perching in. I was literally being ejected and I was given a deadline and the deadline had expired for one month. I was given to the end of September in 2004. September, September had elapsed. October was on and I had no place. And this friend calls and said, how about the accommodation problem? And I said, we still believe in God, steadfastness. Just remain in that place of, of trusting God. It may all look, I, I like the statement written by um, Zorina. That sometimes you may just look so stupid and it's, it's sheer maturity to just sit there and doing nothing and looking looking sheepish as if you have, you, you have no opportunities to pursue. But God is taking care of you in that situation and using the situation also in a different way. That friend said, don't worry about it. We bless God, we bless God. God has provided for you. And I said, amen, amen, amen. 
when I said amen, he said, send me your bank details. I'm going to send you money for your two-bedroom accommodation in 2004. I rented a two-bedroom house and moved in. Long story short. So as much as it may look like we are going down, the way up is the way down if we continue to hold on to God. So friends, look out, look out for the recording. Tomorrow I'm going to get it out and we press into these truths and let's prayerfully engage these teachings. Pray through them as you listen. Ask that a certain grace that is over these teachings will envelop you because these conversations are not ordinary. For those that fear the name of the Lord spoke with one another and God got attracted and said, let a book of remembrance be opened unto them. God bless you. I'm done. I don't have much to say. If any of us have any anything you want to share, you want to say, please go ahead. Uh, let me read Temi's comment here. He said, it's, it's not human to be steadfast. God is steadfast, constant and faithful. The only way he can build that in us is through perseverance. Perseverance builds character. Jesus learned obedient by the, through, sorry, through the things he suffered. Steadfastness brings us to a place of brokenness where we are, where all we are is God. God is our environment. Thank you, Temi. Thank you, very powerful. So I'm done. If any of us have anything to say, you want to share, hey, uh, um, oh, Veronica is gone. She's been around for some time and she's gone. Anyway, we will share the recording and let it go out there. God bless you. All right, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Do have a good night, yeah. Kevin. All right, you as well. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now, Zarina. Bye for now, Jimmy.